So, hey, I want to apologize for the quality of this intro to the episode you're listening to today. I had the episode completely recorded and realized that I forgot to record an intro. And so I am forced to do it while stuck here in this traffic jam. Again, I'm very sorry. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host, Steven, and this is the last of your bonus episodes before we just dive into season three the first week of August. So I wanted to take this moment to talk about my other podcast. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I do like to try to use that time between the seasons just to, you know, it's kind of like my NPR pledge drive time of the 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 time, I guess you could say. So I thought we'd just chat about it, have a little rap session, just give you a little info. My other podcast is the other podcast I do for my patrons. It's exclusively for my patrons over at the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Orr. And you can get in on it for as little as a dollar a month. I do the podcast four times a month. Well, unless there's five weeks in a month, basically every week, every Wednesday, I drop a new episode and it's typically whatever's going on, what other comics I'm reading, what other books I'm I'm reading, what other shows I'm watching that I don't have the time to talk about each week on Just Another Fanboy. And so I use my other podcast to do that. For example, this week, I'm actually using the episode. I started a new thing where I picked out two books Two comics that were coming out in July. Two comics that I knew that I was going to buy. Number one issues that I knew I wanted to try out and, you know, take for a little test drive. And so I put those up on the Patreon and I said, okay, I'm going to buy these two books in July. Which one do you want me to talk about on my other podcast? And the folks voted. And this month it was Snake Eyes Dead Game by Rob LaFeld. <laughs> I pronounced his name incorrectly on purpose. So I spent the episode talking about that. And if you were over there, if you're spending the dollar a month, which is, you know, hardly anything, then you can experience me talking about books, kind of like you do over at Just Another Fanboy, but you can experience more of it. So you're going to get stuff like this. So as they're sitting there talking and she's like, I'm told, I was told to tell you not to engage. But now that I look at this guy, I think maybe you should break that rule. We need to stop this guy. And the guy's like, I am a wizard ninja. I'm a ninja wizard. And I have to find a special sword. Ooh, if I get that sword, I'll be able to kill everybody in the dead game. You're also going to get very keen insight from me in regard to how I felt about the books. Kind of like this. But man, he just, I don't know. I don't know about this. I just, wow. It, (laughs) I mean, wow. Pretty deep. Am I right? So for this episode, I wanted to go ahead and play an older episode of my other podcast. This comes back from, uh, this goes back to May of this year. And I am talking about the mutant massacre over at Marvel Comics from the, the 80s, which I had been reading at the time. Enjoy, please or not. It's up to you. I can't force enjoyment upon you. That's your choice. It's what you have inside you that decides whether or not you're going to enjoy something. So do what you're going to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Here you go. And it starts 
with the hit of a snare drum. Welcome to another episode of My Other Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and this is episode number 130, Mark II. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you've been on the Patreon, if you saw the update I put on the Patreon Friday, late morning, early afternoon, I don't remember what time it was, I mentioned that I had recorded this freaking thing already, and it sounded like poop, like a great big giant bag of poop. And for all I know, this sounds that way as well. As I'm recording it, I can't monitor what I'm recording. I have no idea why it sounded so bad the first time around, and hopefully it will sound better the second time around. If it does, then maybe after the the end, the, you know, when the, the song plays at the end, maybe after that, I'll put the opening bit, maybe, of the episode that I recorded first. So you can hear how bad it sounded. Did. Sounded. You can hear how bad it sounded, he said in his car. Of course, if this sounds just as bad, then I won't have to put anything there at the end, because you'll already know. My main topic for discussion this week is the Mutant Massacre, a crossover storyline from the Marvel Universe from back in the late 80s that mainly went through the X-Books. It was all about this group of villains who go down into the Morlock tunnels and just start killing mutants. If you're not sure who the Morlocks are, there was, I don't know if they're still around. I'm sure you know this about me, but I don't read really a lot of current books, so I don't know if the Morlocks are still a thing. But back in the 80s, there was a, a group of mutants who decided they didn't want to be part of normal society anymore because of the way that mutants were treated. And so they went underground as to a series of tunnels underneath New York. And that is where they dwelled. And I'm not, I haven't finished it yet. I am, uh, I think I just finished part five. So I'm not quite sure why the marauders are down there killing Morlocks, but they're killing them because they're mutants. And, of course, the X-Men, they get involved. They have to go down and fight them. X-Factor is part of it. I read an issue of the New Mutants that was kind of a uh, peripheral type of issue. Didn't have much to do with it, but it was was in the background. It kind of was there happening while their particular storyline was going on. And I just finished an issue of Thor. Thor is part of the Mutant Massacre. I didn't remember that. I remember reading this as a kid. I would have been in high school at the time. But I don't remember that Thor was part of it. Matter of fact, I, don't, I didn't remember that Sabretooth was one of the Marauders. My only really clear memories of the Mutant Massacre is what happens to Angel. And we'll get to that in a second. So... Again, at this point, we've got the X-Men, we've got X-Factor. If you're not quite aware who X-Factor is, they're the original X-Men, the original team of X-Men who formed this group called X-Factor. And their their shtick was, in public, they posed as mutant hunters called X-Factor. If you knew of a mutant in your area, you called X-Factor and they'd come and they'd take care of that mutant. But in reality, what they were doing was they were helping these mutants, helping them control their powers and helping them be a part of just everyday society and, and blend in and all that good stuff. 
Now, when they weren't being X-Factor in their public personas, if they put on their actual superhero costumes, they called themselves the Exterminators. And they were looked upon in society as evil mutants, which seems kind of silly. I, 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 at some point, you know, the regular folk would have to, I guess, kind of understand that the X-Men have saved the world a number of times. But then again, based on the kind of information that's going out right now about just everything in the world and how some people believe some things and some people believe the other. And I guess I can understand how people would still think that these particular mutants are evil way back then. Anyway, so the Marauders are killing Morlocks. The the X-Men get involved. There's this really, there, there's a couple of moments in this, in these books that just hit me like a freaking fist to the heart. And, and because it made me remember reading them when I was a teenager and thinking, holy crap, this book just got real, you know, like a bad boys moment. This stuff just got real. The first one comes when, so the, the X-Men go underground, they're, 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 help, they're trying as, as they can to help the Morlocks, but there's so many of them that have been killed by this point. Really, the only thing that they can do they can't really take the fight to the Marauders. They're just trying to protect the Morlocks that are still alive and wounded and get them out of there and get them some medical attention. Of course, while they're doing this, the Marauders are trying to stop them. And one of the Marauders is a guy named Riptide, and he basically spins super fast. At least that's, well, I don't know if that he's spinning. It's like there's this whirlwind happens around him. It looks like a little freaking human-sized tornado with his head sticking out of the top. And then he throws, like, throwing stars and knives and spikes and just pieces of razor, you know, as, as this whirlwind. It just shoots out of this whirlwind, like, 100 miles an hour, these freaking blades and projectiles, and it's just killing everybody. And at one point... One of the other marauders is a guy named Boom, or not Boomerang. What am I thinking of? His name's Harpoon. And he's got these freaking harpoons on his back in this little freaking carrier. But when he throws them at somebody, they change from a regular harpoon to like, I don't know, they kind of describe it as maybe like, it, it's like an energized weapon. But, but it's a little bit more than just energy. It's like soul energy or something. And so he throws one at Rogue. Kitty Pride steps in front of it, and I guess, I think she was trying to uh, grab onto Rogue and phase so that she and Rogue would both phase and the harpoon would go through them, but something about the energy of this harpoon, as soon as it hit her in her phased form, she screams or something, and Cyclops is, not Cyclops, good lord, Colossus is there, and, you know, they've got kind of a thing. They're, they're at this point, they, they call themselves like really good friends. But, you know, they're, they got kind of a thing going. But he just, he thinks that she's died. And he's got to stop Riptide, who's throwing all these things. And so he just, he just steps up to Riptide, who is, who is producing so much wind energy from him that it's like a freaking high-powered hurricane. And the throwing stars are coming out of him, and it's actually sticking through Colossus's steel shell, but Colossus just doesn't care. And eventually he just reaches out and takes Riptide by the throat. And there's just this panel of him holding Riptide by the throat. His hand is at his throat and there's this sound effect that just says crack. And he just breaks this guy's freaking neck. And then he's standing there holding the limp body of Riptide and he's telling 
harpoon to say hello he to, to get ready to meet his ancestors or something like that and it's like dang colossus just killed somebody he just freaking killed somebody and he doesn't end up taking out harpoon they end up getting away and we find out that kitty pride is not dead but she's stuck in her phased form and like her ghost form she's stuck there and as far as where i'm at in the in the storyline so far i'm about halfway through i think She's still stuck there. But that really, that really hit me. I remember reading that when I, back then when it first came out, just, I was just, holy crap. This book just elevated to the next level. The second thing about it that made me, that, that punched me in the, in the heart was one of the, one of the issues of X Factor and Walt Simonson drew it. And basically X Factor ends up going down in the tunnels because they're trying to, they're trying to find Artie. Artie is this little mutant kid that they find at some point who can't speak. And he looks, he looks like a little, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. He's like got these giant eyes. He's, he looks, he looks like a mutant. He looks like, you know, he doesn't look human. And his mutant power is he can project what he's thinking as an image or he can, if he's, I don't know. It's like he can he can see what other people are doing maybe in the other room and project that as an image. I, I don't know. I don't quite get it. They don't go into a lot of explanation in the one issue. I'm sure they did in previous issues, but in this one issue, they didn't go into a lot of explanation. But anyway, he uh, I don't remember how he ends up down in the tunnels, but he ends up down in the tunnels with um, Rusty. Rusty is a dude that they helped like way back in issue number one and Freedom Force was after him and he runs off and I don't remember how they all get down in the tunnels, but X Factor has to go down there to, to help him, to get him. They don't, they don't know what's going on down there. It's not until they get down there that they find out all this is going on. And practically everybody within the group except for Angel and Jean Grey is injured. And Gene has to take everybody out. Angel says, you guys go. They found Rusty. You guys get out of here. Take everybody back to the compound. Get a medical attention. I will stay down here and I will find Artie. He finds Artie, but then he's ambushed by the freaking marauders. And one of them, he's like a strong guy and his name's Blockbuster. He grabs Angel and he freaking starts snapping the bones in his wings. And I'm like, Holy crap, when I was a kid reading this, I could not believe they were doing that. I mean, I was deeply invested in these books. And if you if you know the story about what happens afterward, eventually Angel gets dirt we we've already seen some of this where apocalypse is somehow involved. He comes in at one point, one of the the Morlocks, her name is um Pestilence. She can touch somebody and they'll get sick. And she's fighting one of these marauders. I think it was Sabretooth, actually. And suddenly Apocalypse is there and he he fights the marauders off and he tells this woman, he's like, look, I want you to come with me. No longer will you be pestilence. You'll be plague, one of my four horsemen. And he ends up taking Angel with him as well and turning him into Archangel, which is his uh is death, one of his one of his four horsemen. And he ends up being Archangel for a long time. I mean, for an entire generation of comic book readers, he is Archangel. They don't really know him as Angel unless they have gone back and read back issues. But this is where it starts. So after Blockbuster snaps the bones in his wings, 
Harpoon nails him to the wall with his harpoons by his wings, just leaves him hanging there on the wall by his wings. That is the one memory going into reading this again. That's the only memory I had. And as I'm kind of looking through what's coming up, what issues are coming up? There are certain things that are starting to flash back. There's a there's an epi- there's an issue where Wolverine fights Sabretooth, and I think it's the first time they ever really fight. I, I did a little research into Sabretooth before I came out and started recording. I wanted to see where his first appearance was and uh, if this was, in fact, their first fight, and I kind of think it might be. But I'm not 100% certain with that. But yeah, and then this Thor book that I just read, it's like most of it is spent, he's been out on Asgard doing some kind of freaking Asgardian stuff and he comes back to Earth and Walt Simonson had set up this whole thing for Thor where he had a civilian, he no longer changed into Donald Blake. He stays as Thor, but he has a civilian identity and he's a construction worker and basically he's he looks just like Thor it's just that he wears a ponytail and glasses. And by this point in the book, he's got a beard and he comes back to Earth and he just, he doesn't have anybody. He doesn't have any family. Odin has died. And I remember him saying at one point that he should go see the Avengers because he goes back to his apartment and there's really nothing there but a, but a mattress. And I remember him saying something about going to the Avengers mansion and I can't remember why he doesn't. But he ends up changing into his civilian identity, his you know, puts on his civilian clothes and he goes to the construction site where he first started working and the foreman there remembers him and they start talking and he's telling, you know, the foreman's like you just seem kind of depressed and he tells him that his father has passed away and he has no family and he's and basically the the guy realizes, "Well, you're just feeling alone. Why don't you come home with me and have dinner with my wife and my my kids?" And so most of this issue is spent with he comes back to earth, he goes to this guy's house, this guy's apartment, has dinner with his kids. The next day, he takes this guy's kids to the zoo. This guy's got like five kids. He takes them to the zoo to to pay the guy back for his kindness. It's like, I'm going to give you and your wife an afternoon alone. I'm going to take your kids to the zoo. And they're like, great, that's fine. And while he's at the zoo, they go to, they go to the park and he's telling them a story. They, wanted, they, they want him to tell him a story. He tells them a story about Thor. And uh, as he's taught, as, as they're in the park, these two frogs come up and he knows the two frogs because he used to be a frog. As part of Walt Simonson's run, he was turned into a frog, I think by Hella. I'm not sure. I, I am currently reading Walt Simonson's run on Thor, but I'm only a few issues in. So I haven't gotten to that point. And this is, of course, me skipping way ahead because it's part of the mutant massacre. But these frogs come up to him and they start talking to him in the language of frogs. They, they, they recognize him from when he was a frog. And they're telling him about something that's going on underground. The alligators that live in the sewers are dying and there's screams and stuff coming from underground. So he tells these kids he's got to send them home. And they basically say, look, dude, we know you're Thor. Okay. Yeah. How can you not be Thor? Look at you. And so, and they said, besides, while you were over at our house last night, we had a look at your bag. We saw that Mjolnir was there in the bag. So we know you're Thor and we're not going to tell anybody. Don't worry about it. And so he uses his, his magic of Thor to send them back home. And then he goes down in the Morlock tunnels and he, uh, encounters Blockbuster and Harpoon right away and Vertigo. She's a, she's a member of the, the Marauders. It's really weird because you meet, 
a few members of the Marauders in one book. You meet a few more members of the Marauders in another book. I'm not sure if we've met the entire team yet. All The ones I know are Vertigo. She does weird things that give people vertigo and make them sick. Riptide, Harpoon. Of course, Riptide is dead now. Blockbuster. There's another strong character named Arclight. It, that's a woman. And then there's a guy, oh man, what's the other guy? The, there's a dude with guns and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He had kind of a weird name, kind of a dumb name and I can't remember. And then there's Sabretooth. And then there was a dude that could, if he touched somebody with superpowers, I don't know if it was only mutants, but if he touched somebody with powers, they would lose their powers momentarily. And I can't remember his name either. It's... I've read these five issues in like the past couple days, so they've gone by in kind of a blur. I wish I could remember that dude's name with the with the gun, but I can't. Anyway, I don't know if there are more members. I don't remember how Apocalypse really is mixed up in this. I don't know if he's the one that sent them down in there, but I'm looking forward to more, reading more. That's I'm Like I said, I'm about halfway through at this point, and it's been really, really fun. Now, as far as just another fanboy, I'm not quite sure exactly what I'm going to do for next week's episode. I have um, started notes on an episode about Green Arrow and his first appearance. I got this trade uh, through Comixology this week called 75 Years of Green Arrow. I've always been, I've been a big fan of Green Arrow ever since Kevin Smith brought him back to DC after he had died. And Connor Hawk was... Green Arrow for a long time in the 90s. And then Kevin Smith brings him back with uh, Phil Hester and Andy Parks doing the art chores and uh, just fell in love with Green Arrow through that, through Kevin Smith's whole run. And I just, and I read it for a few years after that. I remember we used to own Green Arrow Longbow Hunters from back in the 80s, late 80s, uh, after after Crisis on Infinite Earths when Mike Grell brought Green Arrow back. But uh, was never like a huge Green Arrow fan until I read that book and have been a big fan ever since. But I, again, never read his first appearance. And it's something that I have been sort of trying to do with Stephen or else. I did uh, Superman's first appearance. I did, um, good Lord, what did I do for episode number 14? Batman's first appearance. Um, episode 15 should be, if I ever get it finished, Thor's first appearance. But I don't know if I'm going to ever finish episode 15 of Steven or Else. It's one of the big reasons I put that um, audio sketch at the beginning of the episode last week, because I want to make sure it gets out there in some fashion. But I have episode 15 entirely scripted out. I recorded the, the, the opening sketch the Franks and Beans sketch. I recorded an intro and I've recorded most of the Thor, the comic book part, but I haven't recorded anything else. And I just, I don't know if I'm suffering from allergies. I'm pretty sure it's not the COVID, but my voice has been kind of in and out the last month or so. And I just don't think I could do any silly voices at this point for any extended period of time. So I don't know what the future of Stephen or else is as far as the the audio podcast, but I'm kind of moving forward with these videos. And I read that Green Arrow story and I thought, all right, well, I'll do an episode of Just Another Fanboy and it'll be called Firsts, colon, Green Arrow. And, I'll, and I thought I could do uh, some episodes every now and then about 
character's first appearances. And frankly, as I was doing my research about Sabretooth, I found out that his first appearance was was in an Iron Fist issue that, um, you know, before Chris Claremont and John Byrne were on the X-Men, they did Iron Fist. And they created Sabretooth for Iron Fist back in 1977. And that was his first appearance. And so I thought, well, I should freaking totally read that. And uh, then I can do, there's another, you know, that would be a good idea for another episode about firsts. I know that the first time around when I did this episode, I did talk about that audio sketch that I threw at the beginning of last week's episode because it was something that I had actually written for a, a web comic that I used to do with Harold. What's up, Harold? Harold C. Janet Third. We used to do this web comic called Our Adventure Continues. You can still find it out there, ouradventurecontinues.com. And the web comic, the original idea behind it was that Harold and I were the characters in the web comic. And it was about us trying to make a web comic. And it was supposed to be kind of like whereas The Muppet Show is a show about you get a lot of the behind the scenes of The Muppet Show, what's going on backstage. It was supposed to be kind of like that. It was going to be us creating the web comic and then the web comic that we were creating were were would be us in the web comic playing different characters. It was supposed to be all meta, but not like smart meta, not the kind of meta that people would be pouring over it 30 years from now going, oh, I've just discovered something new in this strip. No, it was more stupid meta. But it did end up evolving to where our characters were no longer making the web comic and they ended up robbing a bank and going to jail and they went to prison and that's kind of where we stopped. We still, we had other ideas going forward, but we just kind of ran out of time. We just didn't have time to do it much anymore. But I had written this script for a strip that would have been like 16 panels. And it was all about Subaru because I had been riding, driving to work one morning and I was listening to NPR and they were playing this well, I'm going to call it a commercial. They tell you NPR doesn't have commercials because because of of the pledges that you guys make, we don't have to have commercials, but they do have commercials because some of the places that give them pledges are big companies like Subaru. And when Subaru gives them money, then NPR gets on there and they talk about how Subaru gave them money and they give a little Subaru pitch and it's not quite a commercial, but that's what it is. But I'm driving to work and I'm listening to this non-commercial and they kept saying Subaru like a lot. Subaru this and Subaru that and Subaru, Subaru, Subaru. And it just turned into this ridiculous word in my head that the more they said it, the dumber it sounded. And then I started saying it and then I found it funny. Every time I would say it, I thought it was funny. And so I got to work and then at lunch, I wrote out this script in which uh, the characters of Harold and I are in our studio working on the next strip. I, uh, my character is at the laptop typing away. Harold's character is at his drawing board drawing. And I say Subaru. And it turns into this whole thing. And I changed it quite a bit for the audio sketch. But I'm really happy with the way it turned out. But beyond that, I don't really have anything else to, to tell you folks. Hopefully when I go inside and I start editing this, I'll, I'll listen to it. And hopefully it sounds okay. Again, if it doesn't, I'll throw a little bit of the first time through at the end so you can hear how bad it sounded if it still sounds bad i apologize i don't know what's going on hopefully i can figure it out and i can fix it but hopefully more 
there, there's nothing wrong and everything is fine and and we'll be smiling till the end of our days. Bye. Good job. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Other Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen. How's it going, patrons? How you doing? How's life? Are you staying safe? The country is starting to slowly open back up. I'm not ready for it at all. I want to stay inside as long as possible. I never really liked going out and doing things in the first place. So to be told that I can... Eh, I'm glad everybody else can. Go out and do your thing. Hopefully you can do it by and stay safe because, I don't know, everything I read says that we're not quite ready, but yet we're doing it anyway. For the economy, I get it, but it's your choice to make. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 